Welcome back to Behind the Play. My name is Alex Adams, and I am joined by the guy who knows and covers the Edmonton Oilers like no one else, Mark Spector, senior columnist for Sportsnet. Thanks so much for doing this, Mark. Uh, you know, I, I always appreciate you coming on. And uh, how's how's everything going in Edmonton? Well, it's going pretty good here. A team record win streak of uh, 11 in a row here, and they've got Seattle coming in tonight at the end of a very long and winding road trip. Half the team's sick. They're missing their best defenseman in Dunn, and they're missing uh, Maddie Beneers. Uh, so it's hard to envision a scenario where it doesn't end up at 12 before I go to bed tonight, huh? How surprised are you that 11 is the longest win streak in Oilers history? Yeah, that's what everybody asks me. Like, that's the first thing people say is, how didn't Gretzky and those guys win, like, 15? Uh, as John Muckler, the great departed John Muckler, once said, this team always found a party before it got to <laughs> 12 or 15. And <laughs> I think there's probably something to be said for that. Uh, it is amazing. Like, the funny thing is this, that when you, you know, I watch McDavid and Drysaddle, they do some great things. But what, no matter what they do, the record that they set or the team high that the, the, the thing they do always falls short of something that happened in 1985, like that Gretzky <laughs> did, you know, McDavid yeah. gets 150 points. Well, Gretzky had 200 points five times. So <laughs> the point is, it is amazing that that record was hanging out there for this group to take and they took it and their full marks for it. I, I just think about all the teams when a, a franchise record set and then compared it to the Oilers. And, and it's definitely much more of a, uh, an accomplishment when it's the Oilers franchise record, maybe compared to other teams. But uh, before we get into a little bit more about the team, just I want to kind of bring you in under the hood a little bit about your job and like what tell us like a day in the life of Mark Spector and, and writing pieces. Like how does like where do you generate ideas? Just give us a little bit of the behind uh, the scenes. Well, uh, you know what? Like everybody's job, I think the idea is the whole part of it. You know, if you have a good idea, you go to the rink with uh, a little extra pep in your step and you say, okay, I know the guys I want to talk to to fill this idea out. And I think that, you know, if I'm writing a, a piece on something like, you know, the Oilers history, I'll find Ryan Nugent Hopkins, the longest serving Oiler. If I'm writing a piece on, on a team that's all of a sudden winning two, one games and three, two games, I'm going to find like Matthias Ekholm or Darnell Nurse. So, you know, you got to have the ideas. That's our business, whether you're in TV or print or whatever you're in. And those ideas come by keeping informed and keeping close and talking to sources and talking to people away from your team. And I'll frequently ask guys, you know, a scout that worked for the Toronto Maple Leafs or the Chicago Blackhawks, what do you think about the Oilers? And when you hear their viewpoint, sometimes, mm -hmm. you know, you hear something, you go, hmm, I never really looked at it that way. So, we're all journalists and we're reporters and, and it's a committee deal here. You want to be a journalist, you better have a committee around you because if you think your head's going to provide a good idea every single day, I got something to tell you. It's not. Uh, and with that, obviously, you've had a couple uh, pieces on Leon Dreisaitl lately. Just describe how that stories like that come about in interviews and, and maybe describe a little bit about your relationship with Leon. Yeah, I think, you know, they don't just come about right away. You know, the end result of that, of, of this tale is we're in Detroit. It's an unexpected off day. The orders were supposed to practice. So as a guy on the road, I thought, okay, I'll go to practice and I'll write something. 
I get to Detroit, they've canceled practice. So now I'm high and dry. I got to come up with something in a hurry. I phone the PR guy. I say, look, can you get me Leon Dreisaitl? He says, I'll try him. But it's his off day. He's not under any obligation to speak to the media or Mark Spector. And Leon comes down from his room. He meets me in the lobby at noon. And he sits down and we talk for half an hour. And I ended up with two nice pieces out of that. And so that's the end result. But you don't get there unless you show up every day and you ask your questions. And Leon and I have disagreed on some stuff. Don't get me wrong. You know, we've never, not always seen eye to eye. Not every question has been a great one. And not every answer has been a friendly one. But there's a respect there. There's a respect that gets built. And, you know, I don't care if guys on the team think I'm the most awesome guy and invite me to their wedding. I do care if they respect me for what I do and and respect my opinion. And and if they look at what I write, and even when sometimes it's a little critical, if they say, yeah, you know what, though, he's probably right. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. That criticism is fair. So it takes a long time to get to the moment where Leon Dreisaitl takes a half hour out of his off day to come meet you in the lobby. But, you you know, when you when you get there, you know, you got there because you put your time in. Right. And you you mm-hmm. you you know, you didn't skip too many morning skates and you stood in there when times are good and you stood in there when times are bad and you asked questions on both occasions. Exactly. You said it amazingly. And it's it's awesome to see just with the stories that you produce because they're they're so good and so interesting for, for Oilers fans. Uh I wanna Thank go you. to I wanna go a little bit to Leon and obviously you wrote about his con- contract contractual status. Um just what do you think happens there? I know you even floated the idea maybe it's a medium term contract like an Austin Matthews. Uh, just what what do you think happens in the end with Leon Dreisaitl being one year away from unrestricted free agency after this season? Yeah, I think I think you know a lot of that story has yet to get written. I think that you know depending on what happens this spring, um, if this team, you know, I don't know, I'm not sure if this team comes close and doesn't win a Stanley Cup. Does Leon Dreisaitl want to come back more than if they do win a Stanley Cup? And he can say, okay, I want a cup there. I don't know the answer to that. Uh, either way, I think this spring will help shape this thing for Leon on a personal level. Hmm. To me, this isn't a deal where someone's going to give him way more money than Edmonton. I think Edmonton can afford and will afford to give him market fair market value. I don't think there's a team in the league he can go to where he'll say, I'm going to go there and have a better chance at winning a cup than I do here in Edmonton, or I'm going to go there and play with a better player. That's for sure something you can't do. So really this is about Leon and where he wants to live and play. It's to me, it's not about money and it's not about teammates and it's not even really about a hunt for a Stanley cup. It's about Hmm. if Leon and it would be his right to say, look, I spent the first half of my career in this northern outpost in Canada. I'm a long way from my home in Germany. I'm on the west, not the east. I'm a long way from a place I own in Spain for the summer. I'm a long way from the house I own in uh, Aurora, Ontario. Uh, my girlfriend's from out east. You know, a lot of European guys like playing in the east. And I know why, and I don't begrudge them that. So, you know, this is going to be about Leon saying... Either A, I'm going to sign an eight, seven or eight year deal somewhere else, or B, I'm going to stay in Edmonton and try to win a couple cups here, but I'll sign a three or four year deal and then I'll probably go somewhere else after that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't see him signing an eight year deal in Edmonton. Somehow I just don't see it. 
Is that any information or just how you, you feel? No, about that's no information at all. It's just, it's just, that's my guess. How about that? There you <laughs> go. There you go. Um, and who would have guessed that the Oilers would have gone on an 11 game a winning streak? I definitely wouldn't have. Uh, just mm-hmm. talk about the streak. What, what what have you seen just in what have some of the keys been for this team to, to go on such a streak? Well, the interesting thing about, for me, the different thing and the really, really um, appealing part of this whole turnaround of the Oilers is, you know, on this streak, their power play, for instance, you know, they've been a team people have said, this is a power play reliant team. If they don't get the power plays, they can't beat you. Well, their power play has been subpar the whole streak. It hasn't been very good. Uh, this is a team that people look at and say, Connor McDavid carries them. You know, if he doesn't score, they don't win. Well, I think it's in, he had a he had a five-point game like four games ago or five games ago. But as I, as we speak, I believe that in eight of his last nine games, he's had one point. Wow. So he's not carrying them offensively is my point. And I'm not criticizing McDavid. Don't get me wrong. Like the spirit of this is they're winning despite the fact that McDavid's chipping in a point, not chipping in three points, four points, five points every night. They're winning games two to one. They're winning games three to two. They're winning a bunch of games where where they don't score first, where they trail to nothing. So all the questions we've had about the Oilers and their ability to dig down and win hard hockey games, low-scoring hockey games, games that aren't settled on special teams, games that aren't played, fire wagon hockey, all of those questions, certainly over the last month and a half, they're starting to really answer them. This is a team that's – they've never won this way before in my eye. To my eye, they've never won this way before for this extended period of time. I really like what I see when you when you play it over uh, what comes up, the kind of hockey we watch in May and June. This is the kind of win you got to be pull, pulling off at that time of year. How, how much in your mind is it just the fact that they've been so much better defensively? They're, they're 12th in the league in goals against. A lot of their defensive metrics show that this team's actually a pretty good defensive team. And in yeah. years past, they've been so porous i remember last year we talked about them winning the stanley cup maybe in five four games and seeing if that was possible so how much in your mind is it on the yeah. defensive side oh it's 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 huge defense and goaltending you know they're really getting goaltending Stu skinner you know like we always evaluate players and we always talk about them when they're young like we know what they're gonna be i'm guilty of it too let's face it uh, but I'm here to tell you Stu skinner is a sophomore goalie it's his second year in the nhl Everyone remembers that, oh, he ran out of gas in the playoffs against Vegas last year. And he did. His coach played him too much and he ran out of gas. I'm not, I'm here to tell you. But he was also a Calder Trophy finalist last year, you know, as a rookie, obviously, a rookie, rookie of the year finalist. Now he's this, comes in this year. He has an awful start, but he has been wicked good for two months. You know, why can't this guy be like, I can't tell you that he won't turn into, into, Thatcher Demko, right? Why can't this guy turn into some version of Carter Hart who he grew up playing against? Like, mm. why can't he? He's he's only in his second year. He's only 25. And he's a goalie. Goalies always take a while. So it starts with him. He's been unbelievably good. And they are playing a defensive game. They're playing the chances of the million grade A's we used to watch other teams get aren't there. Uh, Connor McDavid is playing like so hard he you know he's playing like he's playing like Sid Crosby mm. off the puck battling he's taking guys to the net 
it's not all about when he has the puck anymore. Uh, and the whole team is following him. The pieces are really coming together. I haven't been this bullish on the Edmonton Oilers. Well, never with this group of players. What I'm watching right now, I've never liked it as much as what I'm seeing. How much credit do you think, uh, you know, Knobloch gets just with this group being, you know, coming together, becoming a really good defensive team with essentially the same parts that they had last mm -hmm. year? And, and it seems like it's almost a 360 flip. Yeah, it's, I mean, you got to give them credit. I always say this, Alex, if they were losing, we'd be blaming the coach and firing the coach. So when they're winning, you can't say, ah, he's got nothing to do with it. Yeah. <laughs> right? It's not fair. <laughs> He's got a lot to do with it. He's he's here at the right moment, too. His players, you know, his best players are very mature, right? McDavid and Drysdale, they've been around. This team's made some playoff runs. It's not the Leafs that hasn't that don't know how to win in the playoffs. These guys have won a bunch of rounds. They're just trying to get to the final round now. So, you know, he's got a very attentive group uh, hmm. and a group that, that has a pretty good idea what it takes to get this thing done here. He's got a goalie that that... I'm not sure Woodcroft had this goalie, certainly not this season. Mm. Uh, so, yeah, he's pushing the right buttons and, you know, he'll have some adversity and I'm sure we'll, you know, we'll criticize him when he deals with it, <laughs> not as well as he should. But I'm sure. Chris Malbach looks like a very good coach. He's understated. He's a quiet cat, but he knows the game and it looks to me like he's a pretty good hockey coach. And and with that, obviously, this is like the way, way, way too early kind of uh, trade deadline question, but... What do you think the Oilers will try to do at the deadline? Is it add another, you know, a depth forward, another big time defenseman? What do you think happens there? Uh, you know, it's a good question. It depends a lot on, you know, what's available. They're clearly don't have much cap space. They're not swimming in assets. Uh, right now, one of the things they're trying to decide among themselves is if they need to expend any capital on another goalie. Mm -hmm. Or can you go with Skinner and what they have? Is Calvin Pickard good enough? You know, he's played pretty well. They'll figure that out. Uh, I think they, you know, if you could pick the one thing, it would be a very good third-line center. I think that's what they need. Mm -hmm. uh, and they need some beef on their fourth line as well. It's kind of funny. You know, this is a team we always thought they got the forwards. They got to figure out the defense and goaltending. And now the trade deadline comes and, Listen, every team in the league would, could use another goal uh, defenseman. Like everybody wants another defenseman. But uh, I would say to you that the, probably the two priorities in this team right now would be a third line center. And you know, I think they're gonna they're gonna work hard to bring in Corey Perry. I know that okay. interests Ken Holland a great deal. And they need some size. Their fourth line is is innocuous. Their fourth line has you know, Derek Ryan's a nice little fourth line center, but he's very he's small. Uh, and they have right tonight, they're playing guys like Hamblin and Ernie and Gagne and, and even Connor Brown. He's not getting it done here. So they need to get some beef on that fourth line. My colleague Jim Matheson tweeted today, he said, what about a guy like Pat Maroon on the fourth line? And there's a guy who's won three trips uh, yeah, and can no. play fourth line. Don't bring him in as a first line player anymore, but he can sure be a fourth line player on my team. So can Corey Perry. So there's some changes to get done here, and I think they're at the stage where where, where Stanley Cup experience is, is something that they will covet. How much in your mind did, did the acquisition of Matias Ekholm really solidify this defense core? Oh, just huge, right? Like, you know, and I think you got to go back. When Ken Holland took this team, remember, he had John Marino in the pipeline. Well, Marino told the Oilers, I'm not coming. They had to trade him to Pittsburgh. Now he's an everyday player in Jersey. 
they had Oscar Clefbaum had just left with a yeah. bad shoulder, but they were thinking, ah, he should come back. Well, Oscar's like a number two defenseman in the National Hockey League. Oscar never played another game. They lost him for nothing, right out of nowhere. And then Adam Larson became a, a you know, who's a solid second pairing defenseman, a good, good player. Uh, he walks away as a UFA. So Kenny Holland lost certainly two, and if you count Marino, three NHL defensemen uh, in a very short period of time for no return. So to swing that Ekholm deal, you know, I should probably be doing uh, doing my research on what happened at the trade deadline last year. But I think if you go back over all the deadline deals that were made last year, I'm not sure you'll find one that stacks up better than Matthias Ekholm to Edmonton for, you know, Tyson Berry, a first and Reed Schaefer. Uh, Matthias Ekholm's a good, good player. He's the kind of guy you win with. I think uh, Ivan Barbashev might have a little bit to 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 qualm with you, but I think that's yeah, the okay. only person that comes to to mind when I'm thinking yeah, about okay. it now. Um, I I want to just uh, before I let you go, because um, I, I want to know your opinion. Obviously, McDavid and and Drysaddle headline the scene, but in your mind, and this is more of a fun question, but who's the third best, or you can say most important Oiler on this team? The third most important Oiler, well. The score sheet would say Zach Hyman because he's, you know, on pace for 50. But I would say to you that the third most important order today, it's either, I mean, it's it's kind of a chicken out answer to say the goalie because the goalie is always really important. I would tell you that the third most important order is Darnell Nurse. You mm-hmm. know, Darnell Nurse is the, he's the leader of the pack back there. He's been on this team for longer than, you know, most of the guys, right? He's, he's part of that core pillar group that started out together with Drysaddle and McDavid and Nuge was here. And uh, he is, you know, and he's a leader. He's a big, big leader inside that room. And when it gets to the playoffs and it comes time to block a shot and it comes time to play good defensive hockey and protect the two, one lead in the third period. One thing I know, you know, I'm not different forwards will be on the ice and different guys, but I'm here to tell you, Darnell Nurse is on the ice for every one of those occasions. So I'm going to tell you, Darnell Nurse. I like the answer. I'd go Zach Hyman, and maybe I'm just, uh, you know, a prisoner of the the recent memory with that beautiful goal against the the Leafs. But uh, I, I want to ask you one uh, kind of question about management because there's been a lot of you know things being talked about with. Um, obviously Ken Holland and then now Jeff Jackson, like what's the future of Ken Holland? Is this his last season? What have you kind of heard on that front in terms of management? Well, I mean, only one guy really knows and that's Ken Holland. I think so. I'm not here to say to you that I have the answer that I've I've researched it or I've got sources. I know Kenny pretty well. I talk to him all the time. Uh, It's my guess. It's my guess that at best Ken Holland will take on some kind of an advisory role. Let's say they end up with a younger general manager. I think Ken Holland will not be the, the general manager of the Edmonton Oilers next year. His, his contract expires at the end of the season. Mm-hmm. It was a five-year deal. And in my eyes, he's had an excellent run here. He's built a really good team that's a Stanley Cup contender. Uh, so I think Jeff Jackson will go out there and he'll hire – yeah, you know, I'd be very interested to see who he hires. It'll be someone younger and someone smart. You know, mm-hmm. Jackson's that sort of a new age guy. He looks at, you know, he'll like he hired Chris Knobloch out of uh, Hartford in the AHL, and he'd never coached an NHL, head coached an NHL game. So 
I think that if Ken Holland's here, he may be offered a chance to help a younger GM here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if they hire a veteran GM who doesn't need to help, uh, Kenny Holland will likely uh, sail into the sunset. Do you think <laughs> I'll I'll put you on the spot a little bit? Do you think uh, Ken Holland will sail into the su- sunset with a with a little cup ring? Well, you know what? It's it's only like tonight is game forty one of the season, and I've got a personal uh, rule that I'm not picking a Stanley Cup winner on January whatever it is. It's a good 18th. rule. 16th what does that say 18th? i think it's 18th. Yeah, i don't pick the cup winner but i i will say as i said earlier like as a, as a hometown reporter i never i given a chance i'll generally not pick my team to win a cup or to win or to be the champion because i don't want to look like a homer i won't lie to you uh mm-hmm. but i've never looked at this team the way i'm looking at it right now i i really really like what i see it's going to get better at the deadline in some way I don't know how, but it won't get worse. It'll get better. And I, you know what? I guess I'll say this to you. I've never been this close to looking at this team and saying they're going to win a Stanley Cup than I am right now. They look very, very strong. And more so for me, and I've been the the guy out there criticizing a team that, you know, that couldn't do a lot of things that it takes to win in May and June. I'm watching them do those things now every night. And there's nothing left to criticize here. Alex, <laughs> you know, oh. they're winning the two, one game. They're winning without power plays. They're winning when McDavid doesn't get any points. They're winning when dry doesn't have a good game. You know, they're winning when the other team scores first, they're winning when they're down one, nothing with seven minutes to play. They're winning all the hard ways to win. They're not just winning seven, five, when McDavid gets four points, those games, they're always going to win those. They're winning all the other ways now. And that, uh, I can't think of any more questions to ask of this team. If they can conquer that stuff, I think they surely can win a Stanley Cup. Well, uh, that'd be awesome. And I just want to ask you, what would you do? Like, let's say in uh, June, uh, McDavid's hoisting the trophy. How would that make you feel if if you got to cover that run and then obviously see it in, uh, you know, back home in uh, Edmonton? Well, you know what? I mean, I've covered this team for a long time. I, I was a, basically an observer for their dynasty years, a kid and then a young reporter that didn't really cover that much. I started in right when they stopped winning cups. And so I've been the long-suffering reporter next to you, long to the long-suffering fan. Yeah. So personally, listen, it's not my cup. I don't, I'm not going to sit here and wave the pom-poms. Uh, I would like to cover my home team winning a Stanley Cup. I think every reporter would say that. There's a certain something about that. I really would feel great for Oilers fans. You know, I've got a couple sons who are who are late 20, early 30s, and they've never seen a Stanley Cup hoisted here. They would love that. The the this is a hell of a hockey town here, right? You know that Edmonton. Yeah. We don't have NBA. We don't have MLB. They love their teams here, and I would love to see Oilers fans enjoy a cup mm. uh and i've watched all these players slug it out and i know that that Connor mcdavid would trade any two or three heart trophies for a stanley cup i know that for sure so there's a bunch of guys in that room that i think i would enjoy watching them enjoy a cup you know what i'm saying mm. yep so sure I'm, I'm not here to tell you i'm waving the pom-poms but if it happened that way uh i would enjoy being the guy fortunate enough to have a front row seat to it well, uh, I hope that you are able to to be have that uh, you know front row seat, and I always appreciate you coming on. Is there uh, before I let you go and and thanks so much for doing this, Mark? It's always a mm. pleasure. 
Um, anything you want to plug for sportsnet.ca, any stories, anything coming up uh, that people should, uh, you know, keep their eyes and ears open for? No, you know what? Like one thing in my career, I've, I've we all go different directions and we all get funneled into a certain spot. And for me, Alex, I write every day. I'm not, I don't get a chance to spend days or weeks on feature pieces. So I can say to the old boy, I got a big one coming out in two weeks. I would ask mm -hmm. fans, if you want to keep up on the orders, you know where to find me at sportsnet.ca. I work hard, try to give you something good every day. So if you don't like what I wrote on Tuesday, we'll come back Wednesday. You'll like it more. <laughs> well, I always love, uh, you know, all your pieces from Monday through to Friday and, and even weekends as well. So thanks so much, Mark, for, for doing this. And, uh, I really do hope they, uh, you know, at least, uh, you know, maybe make it to the finals and, and hopefully uh, hoist the cup and you can be on the ride with them. There you go. Thanks for having me, Alex.